Hi, my name's Karen O'Connor and welcome to this episode of the Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I was actually going to message you yesterday because after our conversation the other day, I woke up yesterday morning and I went, I need negative spoons, negative. <laughs> yeah. And I thought, I can't even say to your dad, I'm in negative spoons, because he'll just go. You'll okay, go, what? what? So let's talk about that, because we were talking about, like, I'm the kind of person, and so are you, because, you know, you're an actor and everything, mm. yeah. but you tend to put a lot of what we could call emotional energy into stuff. Mm. And then find yourself just completely drained and exhausted, which is where I found myself the last couple of days. It's really not been very pleasant at all, which was what sparked our conversation the other day because yeah. we were talking about feeling emotionally drained. Yeah. And you were telling me about this theory. Yes. So I told you about the theory that I'd come in contact with while I was studying psychology at um, Sydney Uni. It's called the spoon theory or the spoon metaphor. And it's a... I think the best way to put it is it's a disability metaphor. So the idea is that someone who's struggling with a chronic illness or a a mental illness like um, depression, uh, anxiety, or or a disability, for example, has a certain number of spoons in the day. So a certain amount of emotional energy that they can put into a task. So a person with, let's let's go with um, chronic depression, for example, That's, that's a good vessel for us to discuss this with a person with chronic proper depression cannot get much done during the day because the chemical balance in their brain does not allow them to have as much energy as, as a person who doesn't have chronic depression so they have to ration the, the number of tasks they get done in the day according to how much of their energy their emotional energy it's going to take the idea that you know uh, even taking the bins out for someone with chronic depression can be a task that takes emotional energy. Certainly something like talking to your parents. No matter how good your relationship is with them, it's always going to take a certain number of, uh, of spoons, uh, a certain amount of emotional energy. So that's what the spoons are in the spoon metaphor. It's, an, it's a way of rationing the tasks that you do during the day according to how many spoons, how much emotional energy you have. Each task that takes emotional energy takes a certain number of spoons. The number of spoons is completely arbitrary. But it is a way of becoming aware of exactly how much energy you're spending on certain tasks and being aware of being able to say something like, I'm just out of spoons today. Because as, as we said in, in the conversation we had briefly the other day, saying something like, I'm out of emotional energy, isn't really taken seriously. You know, people will just say, oh, just put another kind of energy into it, whereas it's not it, it doesn't work like that. The difference between talking about spoons and saying I'm out of emotional energy is talking about spoons. It's specific and measurable. People can go, oh, you got no spoons left. There's nothing left. Like it's a visual, a visual prompt for how you're feeling. But if you say I've got no emotional energy, I feel really drained, that's very subjective. If I say to you, Dad, you know, I'm fit, I've got no energy, the blokey response 
sorry to generalize here, not at all, sorry. But the blokey response is, oh, you'll be fine. Just pluck yourself up a bit, on you go. That's what we do as a society. That's what we do. Oh, you know, soldier on, just keep going. You'll be okay tomorrow. Whereas mm. I've got no spoons left is like, oh, okay. It's specific and measurable. It, it does make it much more definite. You know, when you mm. say, oh, I don't have the energy to, I can't, I can't muster the emotional energy to do this. People see that as an excuse to say, oh, well, just, you know, keep going this little bit and then you can rest. Whereas if you say, I'm completely out of this physical substance being called spoons, I'm out, I'm just done. No more spoons, got no more spoons. That creates a much more definite line that you can't cross. So I was, I was actually reading about the origins of the spoon theory because Joe and I, and, and the people in our lives, we use the spoon theory quite often now to, to describe things if we are dealing with a lot on our plates, if we're dealing with a lot of stress or a lot of anxiety. As we do in our profession, the spoon theory comes really handy. So I was looking at the origins of it, and it comes from an essay written in 2003 by a psychologist called Christine Miserando, called The Spoon Theory, in which she discusses it through the lens of chronic fatigue which is, I think is, is the best arena to discuss the, the spoon theory. Because mm. in chronic fatigue, you have a set amount of physical energy anyway. That, that, mm. That's the whole point. You, don't, you can't do the normal tasks that a person can do without feeling terrible. And I think the spoon theory comes in handy when you as a person realize that you chronically go over the limit of how much energy you should be spending on certain kinds of tasks, particularly if they're tasks for other people. The people in my life are performers. And that's, that's not just you know, a profession, that's a lifestyle. In doing so, you become someone who is constantly going out of their way to be viewed by and to entertain others, which is extremely emotionally draining. I'm physically draining, honestly, if I'm, if I'm being perfectly honest. So the spoon theory is really handy there. You know, if I come back from a week of performing and working and doing all of the, of the tasks and someone says, oh, you know, why don't you have a games night with the boys? Wouldn't that be fun? You know, wouldn't that cheer you up? I'll say, guys, I just do not have the spoons for that right now. Honestly, don't have the spoons for it. Which is, you know, much more definite than saying, oh, guys, I just, I don't have the energy. I can't do it. Because they'll just say, oh, come on, you can be quiet in the background. It's, it's interesting, isn't it? Because the other thing that comes up for me when you're saying that is how much does this have to do with being an introvert and being an extrovert? I was quite clear the last two days. I don't want to talk to anybody. I was just, I've had enough. I just need to retreat into my own shell and everybody needs to leave me alone because that's the way for me to <laughs> get more spoons to regenerate myself and and recover my energy because as an introvert, although I'm an extroverted introvert, but I am still basically an introvert. I still need that time to myself. Yeah. And you're probably in the same boat as well, I suspect. Well, it, um, it, it brings up to me a conversation that I was having about the differences between cats and dogs. <laughs> Actually, I know this seems like a huge tangent, but but stay. No, it doesn't. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Not to me. Be- I'm, like, I'm because, with you on this one. Yeah, because we we pets uh, pets out of dog, 
uh, a couple of weekends ago. And the dog, Elfie, was absolutely lovely. You know, he was a purebred Kelpie, which means that he requires huge amounts of exercise daily. And it's just ridiculous. Can I just, can I just say something here? What kind of dog was he? A Kelpie. A Kelpie. So for mm-hmm. any non-Australian person, just describe a Kelpie. It's a sheep dog, cattle dog, isn't it? It's, it's, a, it's a, yeah, it's a, I think it is a sheep dog rather than a cattle dog, but I cannot, I, I don't honestly know that much about it. Um, They're they designed are... to round up, to help farmers round things up, and they are bred to run miles every day. Yeah, they're work dogs, like proper work dogs. And the result of which is that Elfie, as a dog who is absolutely lovely, is so in tune with the fact that he's constantly needed to give instructions to other people that if you're not paying him any attention, he will just sit and watch you and vibrate until you pay attention to him. He cannot do a single thing on his own. will not do a single thing. Like I tried to put him out. Here's a good example. I tried to put him out to go to the toilet at one point. He won't go to the toilet unless you're watching him. That's, that's how neurotic this dog is. Love him to bits. Absolutely love him to bits. But it's just, that's an alien concept to me. And I would, I would describe that as, as a relationship which requires spoons from me, a person. Because it, it means that I constantly need to be giving attention to Elfie compare that relationship with a dog to a relationship with a cat my cat kevin who unfortunately died in january which is very sad but kevin was a cat who absolutely adored me and joe absolutely adored us but he was perfectly happy to be within three inches of us and not have anything to do with what we were currently doing like he could just as long as he was close to us he could do whatever the hell he wanted and not need to have our attention which is much easier on me gotta say way easier that's the kind of relationship that gives me more spoons as a person i find that being around people tends to give me spoons being around people that require my constant input and energy does the opposite that was a really roundabout way of answering that question no it was it was good because yeah it was a a really good illustration what we're talking about to me i'm thinking about that it is the difference between cats and dogs, isn't it? Dogs, you know, and dogs yeah. are people who are extroverted, more dog people, dog, you know, dog lovers. That's what dog, I'm trying yeah. to think of. Whereas I've always been really clear, I don't want a dog, don't like <laughs> dogs. I mean, <laughs> I do, I kind of love them, but I do find them emotionally exhausting too. Whereas, like you say, cats, can give two hoots about you? feed me they might want to cuddle every now and then but they're not dependent on you no they don't care <laughs> honestly you just right. as long as you're nearby they're all right yeah. and for anyone who listening who's offended by the fact that we are suggesting that cats might in some way be superior to dogs try having a cat because it changed my life honestly <laughs> anyway point is spoon theory so the spoon theory in the in the way that it originally goes means that you have a certain number of spoons per day. Since then, I've kind of augmented the theory. So one of the augments is that you can, you can regenerate spoons. Obviously, some tasks take spoons, which means that some tasks will give you spoons. Sleep, obviously, is like the base regenerator of spoons, obviously, because that's just that's, that's what we do. 
But for example, lying in the sun and reading a book is just as good a regenerator of spoons. Having a beer and watching the sunset regenerates your spoons. Enjoying a cheese platter with your loved ones regenerates your spoons, unless it's like the whole family, in which case it takes spoons, because I've never heard so many people argue about different types of cheese. You know, I, that's, that's the kind of the, the augment of the, of the first augment of the metaphor of spoons. Because the second augment is that some actions will take spoons and some actions will give spoons. But then, this, and this is something that Joe and I have just added completely arbitrarily. So feel free not to use this. But the idea is that some things will make you more vulnerable to losing spoons. And some things will make you more resistant to losing spoons, right? So it's not the same as losing spoons or giving spoons. The example that I gave the other day was um, Monty Python, actually, because some Monty Python skits, you are just so weird. They're so odd that you look at them and suddenly a whole world's turned on its head and you feel very small and very alone and you don't like that doesn't necessarily take away spoons, but it certainly means that the rest of your day is kind of trembly and, and, and vulnerable. So, so that, that, as we say, jangles your spoons. On the other hand, if you come across a really, really good Monty Python skit, like, um, like Gorn is my favorite Monty Python skit, that just, that, I'm, I'm riding that high all day. <laughs> you know? Okay, that, explain the Gorn sketch. That, uh, the Gorn sketch is where a bunch of upperclassmen are going through the English language and systematically categorizing them, the words as either woody or tinny words. So, for example, Gorn is a woody word. Stiffelith is a tinny word. And they go through the whole, it's a solid three-minute sketch. Ten out of ten would recommend because it ends on a corker of a joke. It gives me, it, it does give me spoons. But uh, something that, that would make you more resistant to losing spoons, I would say, jingles you. So you've got jangles, which is bad, and jingles, which is good. Nice. <laughs> so we've, all, we've augmented the theory. The idea being that it is, it is just a metaphor for emotional state that we're using, which is, again, slightly different to the original metaphor for the spoon theory that they use in psychology, which is to do with chronic disability. You know, we've kind of, We've adopted it and changed it slightly to fit our lifestyle, which is an, a very emotional lifestyle. So, for example, I would have said, you know, there's been times when I've been an actor and I've acted in things that have been so emotionally raw. You know, I played um, a, a husband who beat his wife at some point during my university career. And it was hugely upsetting because... We were both going, we were both acting, full pelt. All of the emotions were raw. And then you have this whole argument. You, you beat someone, pretty much you don't actually because it's all acting. But then, you know, she's in tears and then the audience is like all shocked and they don't want to talk to you. And then when the, the, the curtain falls and you can't go near your co-performer because she just bursts into tears every time you're in the room. And you can't talk to the audience because no one wants to talk to you because you're the villain. And you just upset everyone. <laughs> That's a very emotionally draining experience. And then someone comes up to you and says, oh, can you help me do this or do that and do this? It would have been helpful for me to have 
a structure to say, no, I just, I cannot, I can't, I do not have the spoons for this. I need to go and have a cry. But I didn't at the time. And I, I ended up sobbing in, in the middle of a friend's kitchen, which is, an, is a whole another story. Point is, the spoon theory is a really good vessel to communicate how you're feeling. <laughs> that was my conclusion. <laughs> it actually is because it's finite. Like I, I said, it's specific and measurable. It's finite. Yeah. People can see it. I'm just going off on a slight tangent here on the <laughs> whole actor thing. Not again. Oh, sorry. Like <laughs> it's all me. It's, it's all me. Go on. <laughs> um, going off on a slight tangent here. You were telling me a while ago that in Germany, legally, people aren't responsible for their actions so many hours after that kind of performance, are they? Yeah, I remember that conversation. Yeah, I, I think I was reading about it. I think it's a couple of hours after the performance. Because legally, you, are, you aren't in control of your actions. You're still possessed by the character. They have a whole series of laws about it. It's very interesting. That's fascinating, isn't it? Mm, so when we've been, I'm just extrapolating on that, when we've been involved in something emotional, whether that's a positive emotion like laughing at a comedy sketch or having a good time with friends or whatever, or whether it's, listening to somebody have a breakdown or getting worked up about something that's not happening, like when I break computers on a very <laughs> regular basis, as you well know. Mm. Then the, oh, where was I going with that? <laughs> Honestly, so, I not the foggiest idea. No, no. <laughs> um, it, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But it, it does make me think, you know, it's, it's great to use acting to illustrate the spoon theory. But in terms of being possessed by and acting in a certain way according to a character, I think is very applicable to something like motherhood. It, yeah. it is. I was going somewhere along those lines. Heaven yeah. knows where it was. But the other thing, you know, you mentioned sleep as being one of the mm, main things yeah, that the... fills up your spoon. Motherhood and menopause, mm-hmm. no sleep in either of them. And certainly <laughs> no deep sleep because, you know, as a, as a new mother, you're constantly being woken up. Yeah. So that's just going to be your spoons are never going to get filled up again. which is why you know in becoming aware of the spoon theory it's not only a great way to communicate to others how you're feeling much more importantly it makes you aware of what you need to do in order to look after yourself if you start dividing the tasks that you do into this take spoons this gives spoons you suddenly have the structure to say okay i am very low on spoons today here's the things that i can do that i know give me spoons and that hopefully will work it is it's just a format to reevaluate the things in your life according to what actually gives you energy and purpose and it's funny because i was doing because i've got that new group and i'm going to plug it here menopause Mm. marriage and motherhood on facebook and when people join i was actually doing personal development journaling freebie thing and one of the exercises in that and I hadn't related it to spoons but one of them is to look at your day and really look at what gives you energy and what takes it away and what's Mm. neutral 
you know, and you've got to put things into the three categories. And I know that over the last few weeks in particular, I've put a lot of energy, physical and emotional and everything, into getting four weeks ahead in my podcast. I'm just going to give, like, what's going on for me right now. I was four weeks ahead of my podcast. I worked 16 hours a day trying to get it done so that I can then just relax and focus on building my group and do other things. And then one of the people who was in two of the podcasts decided that she didn't want the podcast to go out. And it wasn't for a logical reason. It was because she didn't like the way she sounded. (laughs) Which just... Like I'd spent all that energy. I was like, okay, I can chill now and I can start doing things that I really enjoy doing because I don't, I don't enjoy editing podcasts. It's not my favorite task. And it was like that's all been for nothing. Just and I was like the energy, the rest of the energy, I was obviously just holding onto my almost empty spoons. And then when that happened, it was like I just dropped the spoons and there was nothing left. <laughs> I was, was going to how it was, you know. Yeah. There was no filling up my spoons with other things. I just needed to drop the spoons and go to bed for two days. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> so, I was literally out of energy. It is a great tool. It is a really good tool to start understanding yourself and how you operate. And one of the things that I was saying, actually, in that brief conversation we had, one of the most important rules and one of the biggest things that the spoon theory has helped me with is the fact that you can't give people spoons. If you've got a certain number of spoons and you come across someone who obviously is in need of spoons, it's not possible to give them some of your spoons. That's not how it works, right? You can't sacrifice your own emotional energy to give someone else emotional energy, which is a tempting thing to try. And I think we've all done it at some point. We all do. We've all got those friends that we get into conversations with and we come out of them exhausted. But that's not how it works. It's like leprechaun gold. As soon as you give away your spoons, they disappear. They're gone. Gone. I do love the spoon metaphor because it takes something that's really kind of serious. And it's like, hello, time for spoons, naughty children. Look at all of these spoons that I've got. Jingle, jingle. Which is just, it just cheers me up. <laughs> and then other people come along and go, I want to jangle your spoons. I am coming to jangle your spoons, naughty children. Um. <laughs> but yeah, that's the spoon theory. It has been taken from its original context, which was chronic fatigue and things like that. But I think that more than anything, it is, it, it's a tool, a tool that you can use, like a shovel or a fork doesn't matter how you use it it's going to be useful this actually comes to the part where the spoon theory comes out of what i'll call the training wheels phase and comes into its fall where you can properly use it so in terms of using emotional energy on a day-to-day basis spoons are a good way to start dividing the world into things that give you spoons and take away spoons it's a great way to start looking at that sometimes as someone who has struggled with giving away emotions as an actor Depression and anxiety and stress are real side effects of that. And so some days I've woken up and just haven't had the spoons for anything, anything at all. Sometimes I just can't do it. Can't talk to my family, can't do the washing up, can't make anything, got to go out and buy food, which also takes spoons. Some days are just really, really, really hard for no apparent reason. 
And those are the days where you wake up and you've suddenly got a structure to say, I just, it's just a low spoons day. I just don't have any spoons today. And I need to go jingle some spoons. I need to go jingle some spoons because then as someone who's constantly got things on, that gives you the basis to say to the people that you made plans with, I'm sorry, I can't do it today. I just cannot do it. You're not going to blindly go in and hope that you'll feel better. You've got this structure that tells you, no, you've got low spoons. You know this takes spoons. We're going to do some quick maths here. You're in the negative spoons. Don't do that thing. I found it's really helpful for that. As someone who really is a person who tries to, to please everyone, or at least tries to please my friends, definitely at the cost of, of my own mental health sometimes. That's when it comes to the fall, is when you wake up and you've got no spoons. All this training has really kind of solidified and you have the structure to deal with it healthily. You can say, okay, I've got no spoons. What can I do? Okay, I'm going to cancel this dinner party and instead I'm going to read a book in the sun. I'm going to listen to my music while I do the washing up because washing up takes a spoon. But listening to music gives a spoon. You start kind of balancing these things out. Okay, that's why, you know, because I've always put the music on full blast when I'm doing the housework. Mm-hmm. And I notice the difference because if the music's not on, jogging me out of my misery about having to do the housework, then I come out of it, I come out of doing the housework sometimes. Not though you'd notice this, Ryan, really resentful and unhappy. <laughs> I don't, I, don't know if, I don't think I've ever noticed that. It's just never really, it's just, I don't know. <laughs> you hide it so well. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes. Mm. Uh, yeah. But that's, when yeah, I put that's... some music on and I've got to sing along to it, it makes such a difference. Yeah. Isn't that a good way to look at it? Doesn't that mm. give you a bit more of a, of a kind of understanding of it? Because we yeah. all function like this anyway. The spoon theory doesn't actually change how we function. It is just a label for us to understand it on a simpler basis. And to quantify it, to be able to communicate it, not just, oh, having a whinge, oh, I don't like doing the housework, it's really rubbish, I don't want to cook tonight because I don't feel like it, which is what we normally do, let's face facts. Mm. Just, I'm being honest now, no spoons, don't want to cook, no spoons. And also to, to strip away a lot of the prejudices and preconceptions about mental health. There's a real feeling of, oh, I'm feeling down today. Better just buck up and carry on through it. Which yeah. is, you know, if, if, you, if you have got a really severe problem, that's not going to help. We've got to learn to look after it, uh, ourselves and each other. And by saying something much more definite, you know, if I'm saying, oh, I'm feeling a bit down today, that's a re- got a really different connotation to me now saying, I've got no spoons. That's the end of it. You know, there's a real yeah. much more definite feeling about spoons, uh, which is why I like it. Also, because jingle, 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 take naughty children. I'm coming to take his spoons. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of blends in with that question that I asked in the ebook. What it take, and I didn't actually talk about this, but have a look at your day. And have a look at what gives you energy, what's neutral energy, and what takes your energy away. Yeah. And when you're raising kids, most of the stuff takes energy. 
And that's not a negative thing. It's just that you've got to put energy into other people and things that you're doing. And there's mm. not a lot of time left for you actually to put energy back in yourself. Mm. And then it's very difficult to get out of that habit because you're just kind of running on that negative spoon all mm. the time until you sit back and go, okay, what is it I need to do? And it's actually a really good way of, you know, because I hate all the self-love, self-care. I hate that. No, <laughs> but spoons is just way more down to earth. Okay. <laughs> How many spoons well, have you got? If you're not taking care of your spoons, if you're not jangling those spoons, ladies. <laughs> well, yeah, you've got to look after yourself with whatever method works for you. If saying self-care and self-love, works for you if, if hanging up a sign in your home that says live laugh love works for you that's fine if the that's spoon fine. theory works for you that's fine as well it's all just about finding the tools that allow you to be the best person you can it is and i was talking to my podcasting mentor a couple of months ago we did a podcast on how to be an awesome person and we both said that we didn't like all of those self-love and the, you know all those kind of things because they all sound a bit pukey to the pair of us so i must get in touch with them now and go i've got it spoons spoons, spoons. <laughs> come to jingle your spoons friend <laughs> <laughs> that, that's gonna be the title of the podcast i've come to jingle your spoons friend that's genius thank you you're welcome and on that note <laughs> all right uh, and on that note, it's a goodbye from me. Go, Mum, it's your turn. She's gone. All right, well, good, goodbye, everyone. I'll, I'll no, I'm you. on mute. Sorry. <laughs> Try it again. <laughs> well, everyone, it's a good night from me. And it's good night from him. Good night. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood podcast. Come and join us in our new Facebook group, the Menopause, Marriage and Motherhood group where we'll discuss what happened in this podcast and all the other things that have got to do with midlife. I'll see you there.